0: I am doing a better job of when I talk about literally anything that I am presenting it as if it's the first time you've ever heard about it with all the context. Don't let data disasters slow you down. CrashPlan has your back and keeps you moving. Go to CrashPlan.com slash BossProject for 50% off your first year of CrashPlan. That's CrashPlan.com slash BossProject for 50% off your first year. Back up better with CrashPlan. It's my birthday. Well, it will be the day that this airs. And so I'm not in the office today. I am out hopefully shopping and going to one of my favorite restaurants. I mean, that's the goal anyway. Now for today's episode, I want to share exactly how I increase podcast downloads by 43% in a single month. Now, that is a crazy number at this scale and definitely the kind of number you see more on a year-to-year basis, not in a 30-day period when you already have millions of downloads. Additionally, I 12X'd my new subscribers in 30 days and I want to talk about exactly how I did it. Now, before we get started, if you're interested in more behind the scenes, I have two exclusive trainings coming to the co-op. The first one is available right now. I hosted a launch debrief, one sale to scrapping everything to 724 signups in two weeks. And inside this training, I'm walking through my entire promotion schedule. You're going to see every email, every post, the numbers, the conversions, all of it. I'm telling you exactly why my paid event was flopping, what this means for your messaging and and how I turn it around in a matter of days into the single biggest event I've had in the last five years. At the end of this training, I'll be answering your questions on how to promote your next training or workshop, as well as the nuances for what I would do differently in free versus paid. For access to all of that, and so much more, you guys can go to bossproject.com slash entitled. Now I swear I'm getting a better website together for this, but it's really truly the easiest place to send you right now to give you all of the information. So bossproject.com slash entitled. And once you become a member of the co-op, you will get access to this training and so much more. All right, so what did I do differently and how was I able to drive so much more traffic and so many more signups in real time? Now, a big portion of this was planning. And I know that sounds really goofy because what an obvious thing to say, but when you've been recording a podcast for as long as I have, it can be really easy to put off planning and make it feel like an afterthought you can continue to put out quality content. But if you're not planning, you can get in a rut of doing what's easiest, not what is necessarily going to be the most valuable. And so for the last 30 days, I've been incredibly intentional about spending significantly more time in development before I hit record. This means really putting together my thoughts Actively outlining the entire episode in great detail, pulling together stats, looking up new information, really making sure that I am packing as much value as possible into a 45 minute or 50 minute episode. I have been organizing these things in a new way. So previously, we would just put all of this information directly in Asana. We'd include the title of the podcast and a few brief bullets of what we might cover. This has gotten so much more intense. And so now I have all of this in a monthly planning document. I put the title of the podcast, I outline the podcast in great detail. And sometimes I'm even scripting portions of the podcast. Additionally, I am writing an email, which we're going to talk more about that in a second, but that's included in this document. The one for September, which I'm not even halfway through the month, is only six pages long. I think my one for last month was like 40 pages long. And so that was specifically the 30 days that we're covering. And so when I say I spent a lot of time really ensuring that I was putting together the best of the best, I mean it. I also was really paying attention to what's worked in the past. I went back and pulled statistics from some of our top all time performing episodes what was working, what were people really interested in. And I revisited a a couple of those topics, specifically the how I quit corporate and how I do it differently in 2023. That was inspired by one of our most popular podcasts ever, where I really dived into how I turned my layoff into completely replacing my cushy corporate salary. So if you want to hear more about this story, definitely back up a handful of episodes and you can have a listen to that. Additionally, I wanted to pay attention to what was happening in pop culture. That's not necessarily something I love to lean into in other areas of my business because these things come and go so quickly. Pop culture is constantly changing. Trends are constantly changing. And something is going to be here today and gone tomorrow. That being said, a podcast at the end of the day is media. And media is not necessarily something that lives forever. And so there is a component of being super timely in your delivery. And so the most popular episode I did in the last 30 days was about the Barbie movie and specifically the marketing that went into the Barbie movie. And my thoughts with Emily on the nuances of why that was one of the most effective movie launches we've seen in a very very long time and you can hear more about what that looks like now i think there's a lot to be said for what this will turn into over time because there isn't always something that's so loud at the time barbie was literally everywhere the news was covering it. Every social media outlet was covering it. People were posting products about Barbie, all of the things. And so if a trend becomes so loud that it's becoming part of culture, I think that's a really unique time to become part of the conversation, but make it relevant to your audience. And so could I've just talked about my thoughts on the Barbie movie. And if I liked it or not, sure. I definitely could have posted that on the podcast, but I specifically put a spin on it that would be relevant to business owners. And I talked about the marketing efforts that went into them driving dollar bills to the return on their investment and why it worked. And that is relevant to my audience made up of business owners. And so if you want to lean into a conversation around pop culture, I think it's important that you do it in a way that is really relevant to your audience and isn't veering so off course. I think where it starts to get weird is when you're doing it and it feels so random. Now, that being said, do I think you can do stuff that's random? Absolutely. Just not necessarily in this format. I think podcasts do live longer. And so that episode can still be relevant multiple years from now because it's talking about marketing in the landscape of business. And that's always going to be relevant to my audience. But if I had talked about if I like the movie or not, once everybody's seen the movie, it's not as relevant and it's not going to last as long. That being said, there are other media places, places that you can post media or content that have such a much shorter time span that I do think you could include things that are more random. Instagram stories is a great example of that. It's a place where you can add your personality and showcase what you're interested in. And it's literally here today and gone tomorrow. And because of that, it doesn't feel as strange to be talking about your life in correlation with the work that you're doing online. So in addition to more planning and paying attention to statistically what's worked and really riding the wave of what's happening in society in a really timely fashion, I also wanted to drive traffic. And the reason I say that, I mentioned this on a previous episode about my industry predictions on where marketing is going. But ultimately, while this podcast has definitely served as a discovery tool in my business, podcasting in general is not a discovery tool. It's a nurture tool. And if that's the case, when you have a nurture channel, you should be taking your visibility channels and driving traffic to it. Well, I decided to take a little bit of a unique approach, and I have two nurture channels driving traffic towards each other to create this cycle. So, if someone comes in via email, they're hearing about the podcast. If someone comes in via the podcast, they're hearing about email, and the cycle continues in a figure eight, never ending, right? Now, while that may feel odd to you, What I have noticed is people don't even notice. Like they may realize that what you're doing over here is happening, and they may have a thought that you're also doing something on this other channel. But unless you are specifically putting it in front of their eyeballs or they have the opportunity to listen to you say the words, they're not going to take action. And I forget this and I get lazy and I just keep doing my thing and I wonder why is nobody doing anything? Probably cuz I didn't tell them to. Calls to action are essential. And that happens regardless of the type of content that you're posting, whether this is for a very small group of people or for a really large audience. If you send a follow-up email about a sales conversation, are you saying, how's your day? And not asking about your project that you just pitched them? No, you're saying, are you ready to move forward? Can I answer any questions about the proposal I sent you? Okay, well, the same is true. If you're talking to a larger audience, you have to talk about what you want them to do. And you have to be obnoxious about it. One of the best kind of pieces of advice that I've heard in a long time has made such a massive difference in the last 30 days. And that really came down to pretending that everything I was putting out into the world was for a stranger. Now, I've heard this concept before, but it didn't click for me why it was relevant until they followed up with this specific piece of advice. And they said, the reason you want to produce every piece of content like it's for a stranger is you never want someone to feel excluded. And I was like, huh? Like, I was so confused by that. But then they related it to an inside joke. What if you walked in the room and someone said something and eight out of 10 people laughed and then the two people in the corner looked at each other like, I have no idea what just happened. All of a sudden, those two people do not feel like they're part of the group. They don't have the context. They feel left out. They're not going to feel connected to the group. So why are you posting content, regardless of where, whether you're emailing a couple of people, you're sending something to your list, you're posting on social media, why are you talking like they know what you do? Because you talk about it all the time. That's why. You're doing it because you mentioned it yesterday, or you mentioned it in the previous post, or you mentioned it last week. But here's the thing. People are only thinking about themselves most of the time. And the way you kind of direct them elsewhere is by getting them to listen, is by getting them to pay attention. Unless you're consistent with it, they are just barely listening. And so you could put something in front of somebody's face 20 times and they may never know. Now, to give you some perspective. Jared did a deep dive on an email I sent recently and he mentioned a very specific subscriber. He's like, this subscriber has been on our list for three years. They've received 356 emails from us. This is the first email they've ever clicked anything. And my mind like exploded. And it really made me think about the fact that people are just simply not paying attention. Now, did they open all 356 emails? No, but they did open almost 50% of them. So it took 150 touches before they felt called enough to click on something. First of all, woof, I need to work on some things on my end. But second of all, What did I do differently? And the things I did differently is I wasn't afraid to repeat myself. I wasn't afraid to bring in the whole context. I wasn't afraid to mention something I mentioned the day before or I mentioned in another format. Because I am literally the only one, even of my staff, that knows of all the places that it's mentioned. And so I am doing a better job of when I talk about literally anything that I am presenting it as if it's the first time you've ever heard about it with all the context and the people who have heard about it, this is reinforcing for them. So if they didn't take action the first time, maybe they'll take action the second or fifth or seventh or 150th time. And then for those that have already taken action, you have already won their trust. And when you have won their trust, they are willing to simply listen and they're not worried about the five seconds or 30 seconds of you repeating yourself because they're here for you and they're willing to overlook that repetition. But I promise you it's not as weird for them as it is for you. So If you can treat everything like it's for a stranger, it makes a massive difference. And for sure, the proof is in the pudding with these numbers. Like This is insanity. So when I say that I utilized two nurture channels to cycle into each other, I mean that very literally. We have absolutely mentioned on our email that we have a podcast probably hundreds of times. But there has never been consistent emails specific to our podcast episodes. But why on earth would we spend so much time, money, and effort producing a show that we're not telling our most engaged audience that's on our list that these episodes exist? I just found it baffling. Like, I don't even know how I got here. We've been doing this show for years. And while we have so many listeners, I think there was a big part of me that thought the listeners were on our list and that our list was listening. And there is crossover. Absolutely but not as much as I thought. And so I'm really excited that we started including these more regular emails. And so we went from on a regular week, we were only having a Sunday email to our main list. And then we had specific emails for shop drop when we add new things to the co-op and regular emails to our paid clients in both the co-op incubator and C-suite but if you were just on the list, it was very possible that the only email you were getting was on a Sunday, which meant we had four touches in a month, which is not very many. And my team was a little bit nervous at first. They're like, are you sure you want to really rev it up that much? And I undoubtedly said yes. Did I know that it was going to drive unsubscribes by emailing more frequently? Yes, absolutely. However, this is not necessarily increasing the frequency of a pitch. I am more frequently increasing value. And so I am showing them where to find the value. That's all the email is doing. It's a connection. It's a you want to learn this thing, go listen to this thing. And showing up that way. If people want to leave the list because of that, they're probably not going to buy from me anyway. So bye. Like, it's fine. I'm not even worried about it. And so I started writing fairly short emails direct to podcast with the exception of some things that fell around my promotional schedule, which I'm definitely talking about more of that in the launch debrief that I'm including inside the co op, but just know that on a regular week, it would be Sunday and then a podcast email on Tuesday and Thursday in correlation with the days that these drop on air. Now, I mentioned that I'm driving traffic both directions. So I've also had a focus on organic efforts to increase leads. I've had ads off for over a year. And I knew that our list needed to grow. And I absolutely had to put emphasis on growing the number of people that were paying attention. And so the easiest way to start that process is to cross these two groups of people, the list and the listeners, right? However, When you create enough buzz around that, you also attract other people along the way. And so I'm also capturing people that maybe you're listening to the show for the very first time, or they hear about an episode from a friend and now they're joining my list. And part of that was having a consistent call to action to join the list. Now, initially, I didn't have anything specific to drive people to. In July, I simply said, you should hear more. You should be on the list, right? And that worked okay. We went from like piddly signups, like sat, honestly, to a fairly decent number by just simply saying, if you're not on the list, you should be. Or if you were on the list, get back on the list. And I was saying that consistently, both on social and on the podcast. but. That's just okay. Like that's not necessarily showing them what the value is or why it matters to them. And it's not necessarily connected to a direct deliverable. And so ultimately, when you're talking to an audience as large as I have, I really want to showcase what is the value that I'm driving and what is the thing that you can get access to. And so if you've been paying attention, I originally promoted SalesFlow, I scrapped that launch. And then I started promoting a free workshop called Untitled because I didn't know what to call it because I just scrapped everything. And instead of worrying about what that looked like, or the fact that I didn't know what to call it or any of that, I just focused on telling the story. I focused on sharing what was happening in the moment and I brought people along that journey, but I was not hesitant to be very clearly articulating what was included as part of that training. And so a very large number of new subscribers were people coming directly to that specific workshop. Way more than you would think. Like I specifically thought when we were promoting it, that 98% or so would be people that were already in our network, people who were already on our list, already listening to the show. And so I wasn't necessarily using that as a tool to grow the list. I didn't even think that was going to happen. Like that was not the goal. That was not the focus. Now I haven't checked today. But about midway through the launch of promoting that workshop, over half, over half of the people that had signed up for the workshop had never been on the list before, which is insane, especially at the volume we're talking about. And so there were a couple of things that I was doing to drive people to sign up for that. And I'm sharing more about that in the debrief inside the co-op, but I specifically... Wanted to showcase the value that they would get. And so I was talking about the results and not worrying about what it was called. And that was definitely effective, but I was doing it literally every single day. So I get that that can be a bit aggressive. And so I don't necessarily think that's a cadence that I can keep forever on certain channels. Like on social, if I were asking someone to take action every single time I post, people would stop paying attention or following along. But in a long form piece of content like the podcast, I'm delivering 45 minutes plus of value. So yes, we have paid ads to cover the cost of running the show and the staff that it takes to produce it. And I am utilizing a couple of minutes of airtime on every episode to promote something that I know is going to provide further value to my audience. And I think in the past, I shied away from doing that. I don't really know why, but I did. And so I am being more clear and more articulate about the types of action I want people to take. Now, I do think in some ways I maybe have too many calls to action. Like, I don't know if you've listened to the show the last 30 days, but it's been like, follow me on Instagram and DM me and go sign up for this thing, and leave a rating and review, and share the episode. Like, it's a lot. I'm not going to lie. It's probably too many things. But I just stopped caring what other people were going to think, you know, and focused on what I knew was going to be effective. And so I asked for what I wanted, even if I did want more than one thing. And they're not going to do all the things. They're not. But it has to Driven new people to follow me. It has driven new people to leave ratings and reviews. It has driven new subscribers. It has driven new downloads. It has driven people to join the list. So even if I didn't point them in one direction, they took some sort of action. And some sort of action in one of those areas is positive reinforcement for the business that I'm building. For the Brand that I'm building, for the trust that I am building. And so, I mean, do what you want, but I definitely think six calls to action in one episode is pretty overkill. But I also know because I was mentioning the same thing so often that if they had already done a handful of the other things, then maybe they were going to do the next thing the next time. I don't know. At least that's my train of thought. Want to learn exactly step by step how to get paid to generate leads in your business? after trying out Monarch for myself, I understand why it's the top-rated personal finance app. And right now, get an extended 30-day free trial when you go to monarchmoney.com slash strategy. That's M-O-N-A-R-C-H-M-O-N-E-Y dot com slash strategy for your extended 30-day free trial. Now, that has been the stuff that's been happening publicly. The like loop I'm talking about between the list and the podcast That's been what I've been also echoing on social. But there has been things happening behind the scenes. And a big part of that has been paying attention to the strategies that have worked for me in the past to drive audience growth. And I have talked about my plans to drive audience growth. In July, I mentioned that I knew that that was imperative, that that hadn't been something our business was focused on for almost two years. And I needed more people to pay attention so that I could provide the kind of impact that I'm after. And so if I know I need more people to be paying attention, I know I need more eyeballs, I need a bigger audience to have the kind of impact that I want. And so I had to figure out ways to drive new eyeballs. And so I am starting with a handful of strategies that worked incredibly well six, seven, eight years ago. Now, do I think all strategies work well that long ago and then still work well eight years later? Not necessarily. But to me, it was in a season of, well, I'll try it. We'll just see what happens and measure the results and see if it's worth pursuing again or not. And so it wasn't necessarily that I knew it was going to work. I absolutely did not know. I absolutely did not know. But I was willing to try things that I knew had worked previously for myself because that's where I would start. And that's where I would tell you to start. Start with the things that have worked for you in the past and do them again. Rinse and repeat. And then learn from that data and improve from there. And so things that have worked for me in the past have been collaborations. Me getting in front of other people's audiences has been an effective way to grow my own. And it could be really easy at this stage of the game to be worried about it being of a certain size or the business being develop to a certain point or really heavily vetting every single person or every single opportunity. And while it is absolutely important to me that I work with people that are in the same value alignment as I am, I'm not necessarily worried about the size of their audience or how long they've been in business or if we're sharing the same things or not. Because I know my spin is going to be different and I'm not worried about competition. I know full well that I have plenty and it's going to be fine. And so I wasn't worried about working with others and I wanted to be paying attention to what could work again. So one of the collaborations had been something I lined up months ago. Months ago, and was specifically around the power of debriefing. And I will say, with that one specifically, I loved participating and was so excited about sharing my thoughts, but it wasn't necessarily a way to grow my audience, or my list. I didn't have a specific deliverable I was driving people to. I didn't necessarily have a specific call to action to capture those leads. And so I think if I were to do it again, I'd want to have a more specific CTA for them to get them on the list instead of just driving to a paid thing. But I knew that that kind of content wasn't going to apply to my entire audience. And so I didn't necessarily worry about getting those people in my circle. I think that ultimately impacted a couple hundred people. They've heard about me. They maybe got some value from the content that I delivered for free, and I didn't ask for anything from them. And so if they came and followed me because of that, I am greatly appreciative, but I didn't necessarily have a way to track that specifically because I wasn't driving to one call to action, which that does make it hard. Like collaborating can be so compelling and so worth it. And yet if you don't have a good way to measure if it was worth your time, it's hard to justify doing it again in the future. And so learn from me. If you're going to collaborate make sure you are including some measurable way to see impact. I'm not worried about the time I spent there at all. I know it was highly valuable to the people that it impacted and no regrets. That being said, one of the strategies that I know had worked in the past was bundles. And I don't know if you guys know what a bundle is, but there's two types, okay? There are free bundles, which are essentially a compilation of typically paid products from a group of people that are now offering all of them for free as this very high value opt-in and how they work and how it's structured. is one person is hosting the opt-in, they're doing all the legwork to get the people, what they need, all the links, managing all of the time. And I mean, it's a t- it's a ton of effort on their part. But the benefit of it is because they're hosting it, everyone is driving traffic directly to them. And that traffic, they're getting all of those slates. And then the traffic, once inside, they have an option to get access to all of these once paid products for free. And by downloading it or buying it with a coupon, they are then saying yes to being on someone else's list. And so this has worked for before and has been a great way to grow my audience with people that wouldn't necessarily know who I am. And so I participated in a free bundle. Now, there are paid ones as well, and the difference being that it's still a paid product that you include in this bundle, and you are still offering it for free to anyone in this bundle. The difference is, instead of just opting in, they purchase the bundle, typically at an extreme discount, like usually 98, 99% off or something like that. So maybe it's 5,000 or 10,000 or 15,000 worth of value. And they spend 99 bucks and they get access to all of these things. And then they still have to use their coupon and dive in. And usually in that instance, you are not just like you are promoting it, but you're also an affiliate. And so then you get usually a much larger percentage of sales. And the person who's hosting it is getting a percentage of sales, but they're doing it primarily to drive new leads to their list as well. Now, from observation over time, I know that paid bundles, while more work on my side from a promotional standpoint... You're going to get less leads, but those leads are way more likely to convert into other paid products later because they already have some sort of skin in the game and they're already saying yes to purchasing. And so if they purchase and then they also download your thing, then you benefit from that. And you also... You're not just getting your own sales, but if other people are driving paid people to this bundle, yes, other people are coming on your list and they're not paying you for those things, but you get their lead, right? And so typically the paid versions of bundles have worked better for me in terms of like actually turning them into something monetizable for the business. That being said, I joined... By recommendation, someone had mentioned a Facebook group that specifically is all about getting in other bundles, which I had never been in before. In the past, I had always just been emailed pitches about these things. And I still get pitches about them, just not as frequently as I used to. Anyway, regardless, I joined this group that was all about bundles. And I haven't had time to even really spend much time researching in that group. However, the creator of that group sent out an email blast that was like, here are all the upcoming bundles and like the qualifications and the like expectations on your end. Cause all of these things typically have some sort of promotional expectation assigned to it. And so I looked to see what I thought would be the most applicable to my audience who would more likely have people that wouldn't just find value in what I have, but also be more likely to purchase later. And so I was super selective. There was probably 20 and I literally only applied to one and got in and got that all set up. And this happened very quickly. Some of these bundles are planned like six months, eight months, nine months out. And depending on how much promotion you're expecting or requesting from the businesses participating, sometimes you need that much lead time. But this had a very like chill, low key amount of required marketing. And so I participated and in like two weeks have gotten 372 new subscribers which is amazing. And I know that the bundle, I've already gotten some reports that it has over 2,000 people that have signed up for it. And that's fantastic. They have 30 days to get the freebies. And so I anticipate that 372 will end up somewhere between 800 and 1,000. I do not anticipate the full list coming over. But I do think... 800 to 1,000 or approximately half of the people who opted in will also opt in to my thing. Now, that being said, because it comes from a bundle, I also have to anticipate churn out. And so a lot of these people will get the free thing and then immediately opt out. And just so you guys know what you're up against, if you decide to participate in one of these things in the future. I had 20% of people who, as soon as they got the first email from me, they immediately opted out. And I expect at least 50% to turn out in the first 90 days. And so is it going to grow my list exponentially overnight? No, but that's literally not the point. If I get even a handful of people interested in purchasing from me for a couple hours worth of work, like it will be worth it for my business long-term. Do I think everybody has that outlook? No, but it's worked for me before. I know it'll work for me again. And I went back to things that I knew and understood. and knew how to do it effectively. And so I gave really high value. I met the requirements for marketing and I look forward to seeing what the impact of that is. And I will be able to tell this one's going to be way more measurable because they're in a specific segment because they used a specific coupon to get a specific thing. And so I will be able to cross-reference three, six months from now how many people have this tag also have a paid client tag. And so I will be able to tell direct ROI. So to the, if she does this bundle again next year, I'll know, was it worth my time, energy, effort, et cetera. Some of that stuff is just a gamble on the front end. But 372 subscribers in two weeks for a thing that I spent a couple of hours on, pff, freaking fantastic. So I feel really good about that. I also spent a good portion of August learning about and experimenting with social funnels. And so I don't know if you guys have seen these mini chat bots. They're really cool. They are so complicated. Like I do not want to discount how much work this is. Like so much work. Now, can you set up a pretty simple mini chat bot to just send people links or whatever? Yeah. But like to make this effective and like actually use it as a tool to get new leads and capture things appropriately and create a really high converting environment, it is complicated. It is probably the most tech intense thing I've learned in years. And I needed a lot of help. Like I had to get a lot of help to get it set up and get it working and all of the things. Now, of everything I've done in the last 30 days, this was the most work for the least reward. So put that in perspective, okay? Most work, least reward, but I am really excited about it. So I have absolutely seen it working for other business owners very fluidly very lucratively. The difference is most of these people have larger audiences that they're putting it in front of on social. I chose to put it in a very small corner of the internet. I put it on my personal Instagram account. So it's not even on my business Instagram account, which has like 45, 46,000 people following it. It's on my personal Instagram account, which has a little over 4,000 And has not been business oriented for years ever until two months ago. So like I have not only changed direction with the kind of content that I'm posting on personal, it's still personal. I still share my life. I still share my dogs, my house updates, food, all the things, but I am including personal brand, i.e. business content on that platform. And so Based on some advice that I received, I was told to go ahead and try the bot on that channel first. And it's been an uphill battle. Like, I absolutely wanted to work so badly because if it does, it would be so freaking cool. But genuinely, I think that channel has to be bigger for it to be effective. And so... Right now, it is honestly so much easier to just post a link and say, click it because the engaged people are going to click the link. So I don't want to burst your bubble there. But if you see me continuing to try it, it's because I'm excited about it and it's fun and it's cool and it's new. And I do think AI, because that's ultimately what it is. We're talking about a bot here. I do think there's a way for it to feel human and genuine and not annoying. Do I think some people are using bots in very, very, very annoying ways? Yes. That's not my goal here. My goal is to make it convenient. And so I do think there's a lot of power there and it will be something I continue to try. But I do not think it had a direct correlation to results like much at all. So. Do I think a couple extra people listen to the show because I utilize the thing? Yeah, but I mean, less than 1% of the growth, I would without a doubt <laughs> guarantee. Okay. Now, this last bit has been probably the biggest pivot in the last 30 days. And the thing I was the most resistant to doing but has probably been one of the most effective things that I have done. And specifically, that is actively teaching what I'm learning in real time. And that is absolutely the thing that built my business. When I was starting out, (laughs) everything I was sharing on the internet was not getting me clients, literally at all. I was ultimately building a second business. I didn't even know that's what I was doing at the time, but I was turning around and teaching everything I was learning. How did I do this? How did I book this out? How did I improve my sales process? How did I set this up? How did I project manage that? Like all of it. I was teaching in real time what I was learning and I loved it. And it was so fun. It was so fun. And the reason I've hesitated so heavily is because I was worried that the insights that I had were not relevant to the majority of my audience because the majority of you listening are not selling in the same model that I'm primarily selling in. And because of that, I literally changed the model I was selling (laughs) in to be more like you guys. And for the last year have been running an agency, you know, behind the scenes, working with a handful of clients and generating a very healthy bit of revenue so that I could stay connected to what was working for the types of business that the majority were running. And I will absolutely continue to share those insights because I want to continue to actively sell, promote, and grow in a way that's in correlation with my audience. But here's all the asterisks. But with the 17 asterisks, I know that for the majority of you listening, even if you're selling services today, even if you're selling one-on-one today, There is some aspirational aspect that you are genuinely interested in the other business models, even if you never want to do it yourself. So there is a portion of this that is simply for entertainment factor, which I didn't value enough. I thought, what was the point of teaching the thing if it's not relevant to their own growth? The answer? Entertainment. People are freaking nosy. They want to know what's working. They want to know what's effective. They want to see what's going on. They want the inside scoop. And you are one of them. It's okay. I'm not holding it against you. And so I have definitely witnessed in this short period of time that even if my clients never want to change their model and they love selling one on one and want to sell one on one forever. They do want to know, for entertainment purposes, what's going on over here. And so why the hell not? You know, if I'm going to talk twice a week on a podcast for years, I might as well include some of the content as entertainment only. Like, what is the harm in not just providing value, but doing it in a way that people enjoy consuming your content. Like, I know that sounds stupid obvious, but like more than ever, content is moving away. Like in a broad sense, in the not sold pieces, but in the, the content that is posted on open channels, on free channels, content is moving away from instructional. They can look it up. They can find a YouTube video. They can read a blog post. They can find the instructional content if they need it. If they're consuming content on a more regular basis from a person, a brand, a company, more often than not, they are searching for entertainment. Wild. And I was like, I genuinely thought that's not something I could do because I was an educator. I thought that was something I couldn't do because I wasn't a comedian. Or I wasn't producing lifestyle content, at least not on this platform. I I definitely have on Instagram in the past. But y'all seem to like it. So I'm going to keep going. And I'm still going to have to consistently measure what's working. Cause I do think this is going to continue to involve and what may entertain someone at one point may not entertain them later. And so I don't want to get stuck in a rut of feeling like I have to do things a certain way. I want to continue to observe and make changes actively in real time. Ultimately, I haven't been in the marketing side of this business for years. And we announced leadership changes in July. And the first couple of weeks were me just like regrounding myself. What does this look like? What could I do? What are other people doing? It was a lot of observation. And I was doing things. I did do a promotion in July. I did create more content on the podcast. I did write a blog post. I did produce a paid product that I didn't release until recently. And I did it in a way. That it just allowed me to observe. And it allowed me to think through what I wanted to do next. And I feel like I came out of the gate thinking I knew what it was going to be. And that is part of why it didn't work initially. I had this, like, I think I should do this. And I went very all in on it. Very all in on it. And when it didn't work, I freaking freaked out. like panic. Okay. In bed sick. I mean, I was sick from PCOS, but like also stress was getting to me and I was so worried. But instead of like stewing in that, I decided to take all of those observations and be willing to make changes in real time and pivot in real time and produce more content in real time. And it has been harder because it means that I'm not as far ahead. A lot of times I'm writing an email the day it goes out. I'm producing podcasts four to five working days ahead of when they go live, which is not a lot of lead time when you have a production team behind the scenes. And so It has been harder to do that in real time, but it has been highly effective. And so I am going to have to strike a balance because I can't keep doing this to my team. My team needs to get further ahead so that they don't lose the momentum and they can stay focused on what's necessary. I don't want to be the constant distraction of pulling them away to do this now, implement this now. However, I do want to continue to observe and take these observations into account and make real and active changes. And it made a huge impact. So the 12x subscribers I'm talking about, that was 12x what we did in July. So not necessarily, I grew the list by 12 times. That would be literally insane, <laughs> the stage of business I'm in. But 12x what we did in July is a big jump, a really, really big jump growing podcast downloads by 43%, direct correlation to being willing to listen. So much of this comes down to being willing to listen. Now, I can't wait to continue sharing what's working and give you more in-depth behind the scenes in real time. And that's why I would love to invite you to join the co-op I've shared a ton of details over at bossproject.com slash untitled. You have to fill out a short opt-in. And then on the other side, there is a training that you can watch. You're welcome to watch it. But it also includes more details on what's inside the co-op. And one of those things is what I mentioned at the beginning of today's episode. I am going to be doing more exclusive trainings for the co-op. The first of which dropped and you have access to right now, you can watch my launch debrief. And this happened in the same timeline. And so yes, I increased podcast downloads. Yes, I increased subscribers. And how that ultimately impacted this launch, you can find out all of those details. Every post, all the numbers, all the conversions, how I went from one sale to scrapping everything to 724 signups in two weeks. To a free workshop. You can get all of those details at bossproject.com/slash untitled. Get inside there, watch the training, and join the co-op to get access to those debriefs. If you have any questions at all about what it looks like to be a part of the co-op or where you can find these things, feel free to shoot our team a DM. Like I mentioned, if you're listening to this live the day it drops, I'm out of office. It's my birthday. But send us a DM at Boss Project, or you can always email our team at hello at bossproject.com, and we would love to answer your questions. We're here for you, and I'm so excited to see your own results of listening to what's working and driving more business so that you can pursue the life that you want. Looking to elevate your brand without the headache? Join The Co-op, our creative template shop membership